Knoxville Tower, runway 23 left at Alpha 8, taxi via Alpha Taxiway. No delay, wind 2904, runway 23 left at Alpha 8, clear for takeoff, traffic 3 mile final. Read back correct, tower for taxi, have a good flight. Welcome to From the Runway Up. I'm Becky. And I'm Caitlin. And we work in the Public Relations Department at McGee Tyson Airport in Knoxville, Tennessee. We understand that going behind the scenes in an airport these days isn't as easy as it used to be. So that's where this podcast comes in. Each episode, we'll give you a behind-the-scenes look of current events at our airport and in the aviation industry as a whole. So fasten your safety belts and join us on this aviation adventure. Hello from the Runway Up listeners. Thank you for tuning in to our latest episode. We apologize for our delay in uploading episodes. As you all know, this has been a a very uncertain and unique time for our country and in aviation. So we have been a little busy, but we decided to scrap all of the topics that we had lined up to talk to you about. And we are going to bring you a special episode about COVID-19. It really has been an uncertain time for our country in aviation, and our thoughts first and foremost and our appreciation are with those who are serving on the front lines of this crisis in hospitals, in businesses, other airports, and in homes around the globe. This has been a really challenging time and will looks to continue to be that. So just know that we are thinking of you and, and thinking about sunnier days that are ahead. Absolutely. And, and for our listeners, we thought that you all would appreciate kind of getting a a look inside how this pandemic has affected more specifically McGee Tyson Airport, but we'll talk, you know, nationally too. But we're going to look at this, this pandemic with three different aspects in this episode. So we're going to talk about how it has impacted our administration. And we are going to speak with Patrick Wilson, who is the president of the Metropolitan Knoxville Airport Authority. Then we're going to talk about how this has impacted airport operations. And Travis Gardner, our vice president of operations, will talk to us about that. And then finally, we're going to look at this from an international and national aviation perspective. And we will have Gwen Basseri. She is the vice president of member experience in the AAAE Foundation at the American Association of Airport Executives. So we really want to give you all different perspectives on how this is impacting aviation. And one of the things that you're going to notice throughout this whole podcast is that there are different levels of technology, just like some of you who are listening who may be working from home or for different places. We are having to record this podcast using different types of technologies to make this update as informative as possible for you. So you may have some listening issues throughout this recording because of telephone call connections, uh, Zoom audio call connections. So just want to keep you aware that it's not your piece of equipment that you're listening to. It it could be the sound recording that you're listening to because of the fact that we have used so many different technologies. Yeah, and this is actually the first podcast where Becky and I haven't been sitting together in a room recording. So we are working from home as well. So just bear with us. (laughs) 
So to begin this podcast, we think it's important to take a look back at where this all began and when information started coming in to the airport. And we're going to look at it from a travel perspective, both nationally and internationally, as well as what things were going on here at McGee Tyson Airport. So December 31st, 2019, a case of pneumonia of unknown cause was detected in China and was first reported to the World Health Organization. By January 21st, 2020, the U.S. had announced its first case of the coronavirus in Washington state. And then that next day, on January 22nd, five U.S. airports began temperature screening for international passengers arriving from China. And then two days after that, on January 24th, here at McGee-Tyson Airport, an Everbridge alert was sent out to our employees providing situational awareness of the virus. A few days later, the number of airports that were temperature screening were escalated for international passengers to 20 airports. And then on January 30th, 2020, the World Health Organization declared a public health emergency of international concern. And then on January 31st, the White House announced that it would ban entry for most foreign nationals who had traveled to China within the last two weeks. And then fast forward to February 29th, 2020, the U.S. reported its first COVID-19 death and President Trump added travel restrictions to Iran and increased warnings about travel to Italy and South Korea. This is when we saw international travel and international flights start to really be impacted by the virus. And on March 11th, 2020, the World Health Organization declared COVID a pandemic. U.S. issues an additional travel ban to foreign visitors from 26 countries in Europe. And then that next day on March 12th, here in Knoxville, news outlets announced that the first case of coronavirus in Knox County, the person had actually flew into McGee Tyson Airport. And then that next day on March 13th, 2020, President Trump declared a national state of emergency. A lot of things were introduced in the time frame between March 13th and March 19th, including the CDC releasing guidelines on social distancing and limiting groups of people who gathered around. But on March 19th, the U.S. State Department raised the global travel advisory to level four, do not travel, warning Americans against traveling internationally. And for those who were abroad, they needed to get back to the United States immediately. And then on March 22nd, here in the state of Tennessee, which impacts McGee-Tyson Airport, Tennessee Governor Bill Lee issued a safer-at-home executive order where airport restaurants and gift shops were limited to takeout menus only. And then on March 25th, the Airport Authority Operations Department began working with airlines to park aircraft on our closed runway. And that wasn't aircraft that was supposed to be flying here. That was actually because of the maintenance facility that we have on airport property. Um, and then we'll talk a little bit more about that during this podcast. Then on March 27th, President Trump signed a $2 trillion coronavirus economic stimulus bill, the CARES Act, and that gave airports $10 billion across the U.S. So on April 2nd, 2020, Tennessee Governor Bill Lee issues a statewide stay-at-home order that closes non-essential businesses and affects travel dramatically. And finally, on April 15th, 2020, the FAA announced funding allocations for the CARES Act, and McGee-Tyson and Downtown Island airports were on the list to receive that funding. So as you can see through this quick timeline, it was a quick turnaround from the first case being reported in China in the end of December until now on April the 15th. Things have evolved and moved very quickly. And I'm sure you're following along with that. But just from an airport's perspective, we wanted to give you an insight of how travel has been impacted. And the many different ways that it has been impacted. So that is why we are sharing with you three different perspectives today. 
We are now joined by Patrick Wilson, our president at the Metropolitan Knoxville Airport Authority. He is responsible for both McGee Tyson and Downtown Island Airports here in Knoxville. He has a year and a half experience here as president, but prior to that, he was president in the Tri-Cities area and has over 27 years of experience in aviation. He is going to share with us what it's been like here at McGee Tyson Airport and what things that we are facing since the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic. Patrick, thank you so much for taking the time to be on our podcast today. Well, and I can't imagine that you've had to face anything like what the aviation industry is facing right now with COVID-19. So if you don't mind, do you want to share with us, when did you begin to understand that COVID was going to be something that would be a game changer for aviation? I think probably like most airports, uh, we you know tend to kind of try to look over the horizon and see what may be coming internationally or on the national level that may impact aviation. Um, so I think we probably started as an industry paying attention a little bit in January where the early reports coming out of China that another respiratory type virus was starting to have an impact. And then certainly that continued. I I know in February we began to kind of look back to see some of the things we learned during the 2003 SARS virus outbreak and uh, looking at some of the planning we'd done then. But really, I think the most significant thing happened uh, in March when the president put the stop and ban on flights between the United States and Europe. That's a pretty significant event and somewhat unprecedented. So at that point, we knew that this was going to be uh, a unique environment to really impact the airlines and airports. And over these past few months, what have you seen? How has this significantly impacted McGee Tyson Airport, like our passenger numbers and, and things like that? Well, as we headed into March, really the first week of March, we were on still uh, a good track to have another record-breaking month, and we're approaching our fourth consecutive year of record growth. And within two weeks, it was the exact opposite of that. Uh, We were seeing new lows, record lows for a number of people using the airport facilities every day. So it was a really dramatic turnaround, and I know that uh, that people across the country have seen that same type of turnaround. Um, Airports are are very infrastructure-intensive facilities, so uh, we've been able to keep it open, and we are required to maintain the same level of safety and security, whether it's one commercial flight a day or 200 commercial flights a day. So from that aspect, our duties have remained the same, but probably the biggest noticeable thing is just the the number of people using the facilities is down significantly. Uh, We've, like many airports across the country, we've seen the number of passengers coming in every day uh, be reduced by over 95%. So just the the people using the facilities is down significantly as, as the biggest immediate impact, and then that carries an impact to our revenue. Uh, airports, commercial airports, are typically financially self-sufficient, meaning that we're funded by the people using the facilities. So as that number so uh, dramatically impacted downward, uh, we're working very hard to keep that safety and security at the high level that we maintain and find ways to adjust to the downturn in passengers and revenue. 
Well, and I know that you have daily calls, if not hourly calls, with people at other airports uh, across our nation. Uh, What are airports doing to work together in this time? Because we're just one piece of a bigger aviation situation. So how do you stay engaged with what's going on nationally through your associations? We really are just one piece. Uh, Really, by design, airports create a system. I've heard it described that you can take off on an aircraft and land at the same airport, but in the end, you're not really getting very far. But through a system of airports, you you can really see the world. And so uh, one of the things I really enjoy about working in this industry is the airport professionals really do a great job of uh, reaching out to each other and staying in contact and, and supporting each other. Uh, I think they realize that the stronger the system is, the more value each airport brings to their community. So uh, every day I'm usually on a call with some group of other airport professionals, whether it's a, a organized call on a national level through some of our national organizations like AAAE and ACI, or whether it's just some groups of airports that have uh, kind of built relationships over the years as kind of working groups. And uh, it's really helpful to know what other airports are experiencing and how they're coming up with innovative ways to solve problems, uh, particularly in this environment where it's an unprecedented uh, series of events and airports are really finding new and creative ways to deal with it. So that interaction between airports really is important and makes the whole system stronger. Well, and I know that we're not just looking at an airport partnership. We are really leaning on our relationships that have been previously established with the CDC, with the local and state health departments to try to, to mitigate some of the operations here. It's really been a team effort at our local level too, hasn't it? It has, uh, just as the organizations you referenced uh, from the health departments to on airport, our partners with the TSA and the FAA. Uh, our airlines, uh, rental car agencies, just all the tenants across the airport have really uh, reacted pretty quickly together. And we've all had the mission of keeping the facilities safe, keeping them open, and, and keeping as many of our services available. So again, that's another great thing about working in this industry. Airports seem to be a, a focus point where a lot of the agencies that you mentioned or I mentioned kind of come together and uh, typically pretty exciting to work with those groups. Uh, all of them have some really smart people, and, and when you bring them together, uh, we're able to do some, some pretty good things in a tough situation. And so that is one of the questions, Patrick, that we're getting a lot that we're seeing from the community is, you know, is the airport open during this time? And you just mentioned working with all of those organizations to make it possible for that those essential flights, and so what else is, is going on at the airport, you know, to make sure that we are open and we're able to provide those flights and provide critical cargo? So, yes, absolutely. Uh, we've been able to maintain the airport, maintain it being open through the partnership of everybody we just referenced, because we are an essential piece of infrastructure, of travel infrastructure. We've seen examples of from just individuals who may be coming and going, flying home to take care of family, or maybe they're coming here to help family during this time. We've seen great examples of medical professionals that may be going out or coming into the community as part of their duties in response to the pandemic. Certainly, we've probably never seen a time where cargo is such a critical component. 
uh, as people are, are sheltered in, having deliveries to their home, having deliveries to the region of medical supplies, uh, our cargo carriers uh, are, are usually the lesser focused on aspects of what we do, but uh, every day and every night they're flying and they've continued to do that to uh, move those goods around as they're needed. And then general aviation as well, uh, private and corporate aviation have continued to play an important role and uh, we've been able to maintain the airfield, have it open, maintain uh, the terminal building and our other buildings and facilities uh, to be able to keep those essential services going. Well, and that leads us to, we've talked finances and we've talked to about how essential it is to keep an airport open. And we actually got an infusion of funding through the CARES Act recently at a national level, thanks to the support of our state legislative representatives. And so if you don't mind, what does the CARES Act mean to our airport? So U.S. Congress acted very quickly and proactively to include airports in the CARES Act. Uh, The CARES Act covered a number of industries, and we were glad to see airports being a part of that. As I mentioned, because the cost of operating the infrastructure is very fixed, uh, whether one flight uses it or, or several hundred, Uh, We're still incurring uh, some pretty high expenses into maintaining those essential facilities. So what Congress did in the CARES Act is they recognized that and they recognized the importance of of us maintaining our employees here and keeping those facilities open. And with that, uh, it provided funding to hundreds of airports across the country. We were glad to be included in that list and we will... Uh, As those funds begin to become available to us, we will use those to uh, continue to support the operating cost of the airport so that it can get us through the challenging time we're in and and the the challenging time that we're going to see probably for a year or more as we rebuild. And we in our region are very thankful for our U.S. congressional delegation as they took action and uh, made sure that airports were addressed and the needs of airports in the CARES Act. So we're very thankful for our delegation's work on that. Well, and that's one thing that people that are listening may not understand is that it's just that they don't give you the money and then let you go and do whatever you need to do with it. You actually have certain guidelines that the FAA print on you to determine what expenses are covered. And so that is what we're waiting for is guidance on how to utilize these expenses in a way that fits the demand of the CARES Act. That's exactly where we are. We, we look forward to that and uh, we, we know we're incurring the expenses now and we look forward to that providing some assistance with what, uh, what we're having to do. Well, and we can, for our listeners, we can provide a link to all this information and to the CARES Act on our show notes page if they're interested in learning more. Definitely. So what do we anticipate is the future for TYS? What steps are we taking to prepare to return to air travel? Over the last 20 years, uh, airlines and the airport industry have really seen a number of uh, pretty significant events. Um, really all of which have been outside the control of either the airlines or the airports. Uh, When you look back over 20 years, you certainly saw some immediate impacts of the terrorist events of 9-11, the 2003 SARS outbreak, uh, the 2008 recession was was another big impact in aviation trends. And the good thing is we've always seen air travel return. Uh, Sometimes it's quicker than others. 
but the the real value of uh, moving efficiently and makes air travel really a vital method for both people and goods to move around the world. So we're very confident that we'll return. So uh, we have been uh, very proactively managing our facilities. Uh, we may not have seen as many travelers here, but the work has continued in how we maintain the facilities. Uh, particularly our custodial department has really been on the front line of that work. They have done a great job of cleaning and sanitizing just constantly throughout this whole pandemic event. And I can tell you with great confidence that they have our facilities very ready and very safe to meet the needs of the traveling public when they come back. And we just continue to work with the TSA and the FAA and all our tenants to make sure that we're addressing the needs of travelers when they return in this pretty unique environment. And uh, we're, we're very confident that we're going to uh, continue to uh, see strong travel in the future as it rebuilds, and, and we look forward to that day. Travis Gardner now joins us. He is the Senior Vice President of Operations for the Metropolitan Knoxville Airport Authority. He's been in that role for 12 years now and has a wealth of background in aviation and experience in operations. And he's going to talk to us today or share some insight into what it's like to operate our facility and what things have changed and how his staff has had to become more flexible and adaptive to be able to meet the demands of operating an airport during a pandemic. Thank you for joining us today, Travis. Will you introduce yourself and describe your role here at McGee Tyson Airport? Hi, good morning, Becky and Caitlin. I'm Travis Gardner. I'm Vice President of Operations for the Metropolitan Knoxville Airport Authority. So my role is basically anything that deals with airplanes landing or taking off uh, and making sure that passengers can come to uh, our airport and board planes and do their business and that all of our airline partners are able to engage and do their business to provide services to those passengers. So, Travis, this is not your first podcast episode with us. If our listeners have tuned in previously, they have heard you on many episodes. And one of the episodes you talked about was irregular operations. And the situation, the pandemic that we're in right now, is definitely putting us in irregular operations. So can you talk a little bit about your experience dealing with different crises, and then how you work with other airports? Sure. So aviation has a term. It's called IROPS, regular operations. And I would speculate and say that the COVID-19 pandemic is the largest, most prolific, with the greatest impact IROPS event in history, other than the days that followed September the 11th, 2001. I would speculate that there is no other event that has had a greater profound impact on aviation. We look at airports nationwide, it seems like years ago now, but it's only been a few short weeks since we saw the travel restrictions uh, that began globally. And then the last part was uh, travel restrictions into the United States, particularly from Europe. And you saw portal airports stand up to receive those passengers that came from Europe and other locations and uh, that was the beginning of the sharp and rapid decline in air transportation. I participate with a group of folks from the American Association of Airport Executives every day on a telephone call 
And I think some of our metrics that we measure to see uh, the amount of activity in the industry, the most prolific one is the number of passengers screened at all airports on a daily basis. And uh, I think it was middle of last week, one of the numbers was we screened 182,000 passengers total in the United States in one day. And the day one year ago in 2019, same day of the week, TSA had screened almost 2.3 million. So we are seeing declines from at least 90% in some markets. We're seeing declines in passenger traffic uh, as much as 95%. And one thing to note for the you know, the layperson that, that is just a traveler and they look at aviation from the outside in, you know, at McGee Tyson, we may see 200 passengers screened on a daily basis, and that sharply contrasts with we typically, the same day from the prior year, may have screened as many as 45 or 4,800. And one of the telling components of that sharp decline is that a good portion, maybe as many as half of those passengers, are what's called non-revenue. And those are air crews or airline employees that are relocating uh, as part of operating the airline business. So they're commuting to the station where they'll leave for their duty day. And so that's a portion of those screened passengers to the TSA checkpoint. So my, my main pick in, in all that discussion is aviation has seen a sharp decline in passenger traffic. And that is, you know, in due to restrictions on travel, and that has allowed some breathing room for airport operators like the Knoxville Airport Authority to continuously work with our airline partners to adapt and change and overcome with lots of new procedures and lots of new actions and plans to make sure that we're operating safely and providing that essential service of aviation. So we've seen... Yes, we have seen declines in passenger traffic, and but we've also seen a marketed and sharp increase in air freight and air cargo. So our online deliveries have skyrocketed, and McGee Tyson Airport also happens to host both uh, UPS and, and FedEx, and they are very, very busy. What does daily operations at an airport look like right now? So on a daily basis, I just finished it just a little while ago, We've got seven essential functions that it takes to make sure that airplanes can land and take off at our airport. And that begins with airfield and maintenance and support functions. And so every morning we check in with that function as well as airport operations, the regulatory component, FAA, air traffic control, military operations, our FBO operator, which handles all the fuel for all the aircraft on the field, as well as our Department of Public Safety that makes sure that we have police, fire, and EMS services. So every morning, just like going back to elementary school, we, we have roll call. We check the roster, and uh, everybody chimes in, and we report our status, and any variations, anything operating other than normal, and then we check to see if there's any support requests from any of their aviation partners or any of the agencies on the airfield so that we can adapt and, and give them the help that they need. But that's just a little bit about the daily operations world. 
Well, and that kind of leads me to my first question about operations during a pandemic that we're experiencing. Uh, A lot of people who drive by our airport right now recognize that there are lots of aircraft in storage or parked along the closed runway that we have. And we're not alone. That's happening all over the world. So can you talk a little bit about why we have aircraft that are stationed here or parked here and what that looks like and what role we play in helping to facilitate the airlines that uh, serve our market with their aircraft? Sure, that's a great question, Becky. So you'll hear me respond with two things. One is location and the other one is maintenance. So location, location, location. It's just like real estate. McGee-Tyson Airport is located centrally in the southeastern region. So as we've seen a decline in the demand for aircraft commensurately as we respond to air transportation demand as we uh, return to normal, the airline want a central location where they can feed those aircraft back into their fleet system. And McGee-Tyson is in a good location for that. And the second one is we actually host two MROs, that's Maintenance or Repair Organization, here uh, on the field. One is Endeavor Aircraft Maintenance, and the other one is Express Jet Maintenance. And one of the reasons that aviation is so safe is there's so many redundancies and lots and lots of checks. Everything gets inspected and checked on a very, very frequent basis. So the theme of, of aviation safety is lots of eyes on those aircraft pieces and parts and systems that keep them safe. And so because we host two of them, as the aircraft come out of uh, flying in uh, airline fleets, they go into maintenance. And so as a result of our location and having those maintenance services on the field, we now host about 48 visitors uh, that are not normally here. McKee Tyson Airport, uh, we're blessed to have two runways. And one of those runways has been in a major construction project for the years previous. And it's almost completely finished. We're getting close, but not quite ready. So that runway is uh, not quite ready for airplanes to land and take off, but it's been a fantastic location for us to store aircraft for some of our airline partners. So for about two and a half weeks now, we've hosted 48 visitors, and those are regional jets that have come to Mickey Tyson to receive maintenance service and go into storage. And they'll stay in that storage location until aviation demand returns and our airlines are ready to plug them back in to their fleet operations. And so you and your department were responsible with coordinating with the airlines and and parking those aircraft safely? Yes, that's correct. We've hosted 48 aircraft here for a few weeks now. And the airport operations, as well as some maintenance support, was integral to that. So the aircraft all arrived at different times. And it took a lot of coordination. There's lots of safety protocols involved uh, in procedures to get airplanes to the right place at the right time. And it's not unlike choreography for uh, perhaps a dance, except with big aluminum airplanes. True, very true. One of the other things that your staff is involved in is that you have been overseeing the cleaning and sanitation of the terminal building to protect passengers and tenants and employees as they are working in the facility. Can you talk about what you're doing to help keep the facility running smoothly and safely for people who are traveling in this time? Sure. That's a great question, Becky. Cleanliness of the facilities and the surroundings has been uh, in the forefront of everyone's attention. I will say, as we have seen 
uh, infection control and those protocols evolve over time. Uh, you know, we've seen the, the SARS uh, concern a few years ago, and it has brought more types and more methods rather than just sweeping the floor uh, and mopping up when you get done uh, to public facility maintenance. We've got a dedicated staff. We term them uh, our airport maintainers. They're from our building services department, facility maintenance department, and they have procedures and protocols to clean everything all the time. In the early days, we were getting questions, and it was, are you doing anything special? And the answer was yes, but no. We already clean everything. Uh, every restroom was already being cleaned somewhere between every 30 minutes and every hour. And as we saw passenger traffic decline, we actually had a surplus of facilities so we could close one set of restrooms and use both our cleaning methods as well as time uh, to sterilize those restroom facilities. And then our staff was dedicated to hitting all the touch points. They followed the 11-point protocol for all the touch surfaces, including escalator handrails, elevator buttons, doorknobs, check-in counters. It was all continuous, and it never stopped. We've even involved some electrostatic non-contact sprayers. We've been using those not for two weeks or four weeks or four months or six months, but we've actually had those protocols in place for a couple of years. So I don't think I'm overstating it in saying that we were not just prepared, but very well prepared uh, as we began to think about infection control as yet another component of our daily operations. Well, Travis, earlier you mentioned that this was probably the largest IROPS event in history. And so what makes this pandemic different from other crises that you have experienced and that the aviation industry has experienced? So I collaborate every day with a group of folks from the American Association of Airport Executives, both uh, their legislative folks as well as emergency management folks. And the airport emergency or emergency management planning is to return to normal operations. So, you know, it's geared at an airport has some sort of incident, uh, be it security concern or an aircraft incident of some nature. Uh, sometimes it's a simple but greatly impacting issue like uh, an Internet outage. And so most of the planning has been geared around how do you return to normal operations so that you can meet the demand uh, for passenger traffic and transportation. Uh, and this one is different in that the demand has declined, but the concerns for infection control has escalated. And it's, it has been of a, a vastly different nature. I will can only compare it to the event of September the 11th when we saw a dramatic decrease in passenger traffic and the unknown was how to safe and secure our aircraft and our airports, dismiss any security concerns so that folks had confidence to return to flying. And I, I would just compare this global health pandemic to, to something like that. What do you wish listeners knew about airports during this uncertain time? That's a great question, Becky, and I would respond and, and I hope it's a real simple statement that's well-received, is uh, to the public, when you're ready, we're ready. We've had 
time to prepare. We've had the resources to prepare. And I can just assure you, I've, I've seen it firsthand. I observed all of the procedures and the actions in place. Those aircraft, when you're ready to fly, they're going to be ready. They've never been cleaner. The staff with our airline partners have invested a great amount of resources and, and, and science into their disinfection and control procedures, as well as the facilities at airports and our rental car partners and our hotel partners and our airline partners. Uh, I just, uh, with, with great confidence and assurance, say that when you're ready to fly, we're ready to help you. Well, thank you, Travis. You're welcome. And now we're going to look at how this pandemic has impacted aviation nationally. And so we're going to speak with Gwen Bessaria. She is the Vice President of Member Experience and the AAAE Foundation for the American Association of Airport Executives. So Gwen, thank you so much for joining us today and talking to us on our podcast. To give our listeners a little bit of background, can you start by just introducing yourself and your role at AAAE? Absolutely, and thank you so much for the invitation to speak. Um, I'm so excited to uh, get to join you all at, how do they say it, uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. Oh, nice. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So I'm Gwen Basteria. I am the Vice President of Member Experience in the AAAE Foundation for the American Association of Airport Executives. And if you can believe it, in uh, a couple short weeks, I will have been at AAAE for 16 years. It has been my only job. I came to Washington in college and never went back to Vermont where I grew up and fell into um, this position and just have absolutely adored working in aviation and for all of our members like you all. So it's been so meaningful to my life. So 16 years. That is wonderful. Yeah. So you've seen a lot of things. And one of the things we're talking about today is obviously the impact that COVID-19 has had on the aviation industry. It's been a real game changer. So um, if you don't mind, when did AAAE really begin to understand that this was going to have some impact? So uh, absolutely. The virus, as you all know, spread very rapidly, going from just 30 cases in the U.S., at the beginning of March to more than half a million over the next six weeks. And the impacts on aviation in our system were similarly quick and very severe. Uh, We had nearly 2.3 million people take to the skies in the nation around March 1st. And by early April, that passenger traffic had fell to approximately 100,000, so a 95% decline. On the AAAE team here in Washington, our federal affairs team sent out our first coronavirus airport impact survey on March 9th. March 9th, which is basically back when there were only several hundred confirmed cases in the U.S. and well before the air traffic plummeted to the record lows that we're seeing now. Throughout the crisis, and especially during March, the AAAE staff kept members appraised of what was going on. The news from Washington, the Congress, the administration providing updates from the FAA and TSA, and just really tried to create a lot of additional resources for our members. I personally was in New Orleans with a number of our airport members at our customer experience symposium, and it it was very interesting to see the folks, you know, who care so much about our passengers and those who come through our airports every day, you know, being at the conference and learning, you know, better tactics and more things to do creatively to engage their passengers, while at the same time in the background, this is really starting to ramp up. So it's been unlike anything I've seen in my 16 years at AAAE, and 
I really hope something I never see again. Well, and I think what is so interesting, one of the the many things that's just unreal about this situation that we're in is how quick things happened and how quickly AAAE and all the airports had to really start making changes and working together. So, Gwen, you mentioned your members and you work with airports very closely. So how have you seen airports working together during this pandemic? I am so proud of our members and those folks who work at our airports every day. I think one of the number one things for the AAAE side that airports have done is when we came out to you and said, we need information because when Congress started to talk about what a relief package could look like and what it would include for airports. We needed to know what was happening at your facilities. And airports just overwhelmingly came together. They answered our surveys. They talked to their lawmakers. And that was really important to getting funding that will keep these vital gateways open and serving the communities, you know, across our country and making sure that vital goods and services, you know, continue to flow in our economy right now. Well, and I know from a personal perspective, we have been on multiple calls. And and if you're listening to this podcast, you'll have heard from Travis Gardner, a VP of operations, referencing his daily calls and our president, Patrick Wilson, referencing their daily calls with counterpart airports or through organizations like yours, Gwen, that we're learning from each other. And because this network through AAAE exists, we're able to respond more quickly and be more flexible in an uncertain time. So the resources are there through AAAE for airports to really try to navigate through this. Absolutely. One of the resources that we stood up right away was a COVID-19 discussion forum in our online members hub where people could go and ask questions to their colleagues, their peers, about what was happening at their facilities, how they were handling questions from all of their partners and stakeholders in the community and on airport property. And, you know, this was so unknown. There were so many questions, there still are. And so I think that that for us, we saw, you know, logins skyrocket, you know, in terms of engagement for folks, you know, really reaching out and leaning on each other. And that's 100% the reason I love this industry so much is that people, you know, the airport industry is a family and that it's certainly showing right now. For sure, for sure. And one of the things you mentioned that I think is real important to stress with our listeners is airports are open and they play a critical role in our nation and its operations. I know that you all are working on trying to get that word out, but what are some of the things you're saying about why airports need to be open? Yeah, I think that the more that we can do individually and as associations and airports to get that communication out, you know, I know a lot of people in my own family will come to me and say, Gwen, why are there still people flying? Because there are still people who are volunteering, nurses and doctors who are volunteering from parts of the country that aren't as hard hit to go to New York and work on the front lines. There are people who need to get back, you know, we're stranded places. Our aviation system is still here to support all of those people. And I think that we are so fortunate in this country. We have recognized our first responders and our frontline workers in terms of our health care. And the folks are keeping our grocery stores open. But the airport workforce is right there along with them. People are still working at the airports to make that possible, to make sure that cargo can come in and that those goods and services can move. I just think it's, you know, vital for people to understand airports being open and and air travel is essential, especially right now, given, you know, we're social distance. (laughs) You know, it's hard to be connected to folks right now. I mean, 
I think about the number of flights that I had to cancel alone since uh, I came back from New Orleans in early March. It's, you know, we're used to traveling a lot, but folks need to travel now in order to make sure that we can get on that road to recovery. Well, and that's one thing that's so unique, as we've mentioned in the podcast previously, how little are we're seeing, you know, how little traffic we're seeing out of the airport every day. But those people that actually are flying through our facility are doing really important work, and they all have a story to tell. And so I think that's just really important that we're there to support them. 100%. And I think that to the extent that airports can tell those stories, I've been really encouraged to see a lot of social media from our airports focusing on not only the passengers traveling through and telling stories. I've seen the airlines telling great stories, um, showing, you know, the United pilot who is thanking the entire plane, the entire plane being maybe 15 people, but thanking those first responders for flying into an area that's heavily impacted because his wife's a nurse too. And he, you know, is quarantined from her right now, but he can still do his part by flying those people or, Seeing the social media posts where um, our airports are introducing people behind the scenes, you know, a lot of times people who don't really know just say, oh, they work for the airport. And they kind of, the airline workers or the airport workers, we're all just lumped together. But the airport industry and the folks that we represent at AAAE are so important. I love seeing their profiles on the airport's uh, social media and humanizing that workforce and letting folks know in their community that they're still coming to work and they're here because they want to help. That's important. It's very important. And and one of the things that's helping us to stay open has been the CARES Act and how airports are receiving funding through that to continue to pay those employees as well as operating costs during this uncertain time. So what does the CARES Act mean to airports? What benefits or what other future legislation should we be paying attention to? Yeah, let's talk about the CARES Act a little bit. So H.R. 748, the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security, or CARES Act, uh, was passed in late March, and it included $10 billion to prevent, prepare for, and respond to the coronavirus, which airports won't be required to pay a local match for, like federal grants that you normally get through the AIP program. AAAE urged FAA to work closely with our airport community to distribute those emergency funds as quickly as possible and with as few strings attached, just to make sure that the name of the game was fast and flexible. And just uh, a week or so ago on April 14th, the DOT and FAA had a conference call for all of our airport and aviation stakeholders with DOT Secretary Elaine Chow and FAA Associate Administrator for Airports, Kurt Schaefer, to talk about the plans for distributing those funds. And I know that for you all locally in Knoxville, that's over $25 million, which will go a long way in supporting your role in the community and keeping those people like you all on the job and serving your communities. I think going forward, legislatively, airports have to be included in the conversation, making sure that airports are continued to be seen as vital um, and essential to our national transportation network, and also that they're supported. There is so much important infrastructure that is ongoing in plans for our airports, and we need to make sure that that doesn't stop because despite the very dramatic decline, we will recover, and air travel consistently, the projections for travel in the future, you know, just keep increasing. So we need to make sure that airports don't fall behind and that they're given the funding 
to make sure that they can be operational for our future need. Absolutely. And you kind of just touched on this, but what do you think AAAE anticipating future of our airports? So for the future of our airports, I think that we're being realistic. I don't know anybody who thinks that the recovery for airports is going to be as rapid as the decline. We dropped very quickly in our passenger numbers, but I think AAAE and most of our industry thinks it's going to be a year and a half to two years before we get back to pre-crisis levels. And that might be too optimistic. Um, It's certainly going to change a lot of things we know about air travel now, the way passengers behave and the way that airports have to operate to accommodate those new behaviors, you know, especially in uh, the customer service arena. I think that's going to be really important. The outlook is optimistic. Like we, I've said of the, you know, ongoing airports are vital to our nation. We are always going to need airports and the amazing people that work at them. It's going to be a slow recovery, but it will happen. And no question, it's going to be difficult, just as all of the recovery across the country and around the world will be. But I know for sure that AAAE will be here to support the airports in that and and help get us back to pre-COVID flight levels and beyond for the future. So as we start to wrap up our our talk today, I just want to ask you, what do you wish listeners knew about airports during this uncertain time? I, I wish that our listeners really understood, you know, why airports are important and that airports are not open, you know, exclusively to make sure that people get to their vacations and to, it's not just about, you know, the wanderlust. That's one of the most beautiful things as humans we have this capability to have wanderlust and to dream about amazing destinations. And those are all still going to be there. Right now, airports are serving vital needs in their community by transporting our, you know, goods and services, people and all of the, you know, emergency masks and all of the technology that's going to have to move around. Airports are serving a vital role. And we hope that when it is, you know, the all clear is given that we all are in a place to travel again, that people will come back. Your airport is not going to be a dangerous place to be. We want you to come through. The airports will work, obviously, with their state and local partners, with any of our federal partners, to make sure that air travel continues to be safe and efficient, you know, as soon as it's able. Thank you for listening to this episode, and please check us out at fromtherunwayup.com to subscribe to our podcast and listen to past episodes. And be sure to rate us on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. So thank you so much for tuning in, and we hope that you'll join us again next time.